kind of wanted to give kids a chance to see how things grow. Watching them look at these vegetables that they put in the ground and seeing that they're responsible for something, it really changes their perspective on life. It's a very emotional thing to walk in and see kids in a prison. You know, I look in there, I see a young girl, I see my daughter. So it's a very emotional thing for me to go in there every single week and kind of see kids going through that, you know? Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. Seattle Seahawks defensive end Michael Bennett has never been one to shy away from speaking his mind or avoid controversy. For much of this season, he sat during the playing of the Star-Spangled Banner to protest social injustice. In August, he claimed he was the victim of racial profiling and excessive force by the Las Vegas police following an incident after the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight, a claim that law enforcement denies. While these actions have created headlines, he continues to work quietly behind the scenes for social injustice and criminal justice reform, including one place where his presence might be needed the most. Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck has more. It's hard for a seed to sprout on its own. properly grow, it needs soil, water, the sun, and some tender love and care. No, you can't get 20 on that. Seahawks defensive end Michael Bennett hopes that he can nurture some so-called bad seeds the same way, so they too can one day thrive. It's our responsibility as human beings to lead this world in a better situation for our, our kids, and that's what the real legacy of all this is. One place Bennett has been working to encourage that culture is just over a mile from CenturyLink Field at King County Youth Detention Facility, which houses teens who have committed violent crimes. So today we just kind of want to talk about like distractions and and how you know distractions can deter you from like decisions that you want to make. Just going there and showing them that people care about them and giving them the opportunity to tell their story. Because some kids, you know, they've been through certain circumstances that we as people can never understand. And a lot of times they just never had any guidance. What can keep you from doing that? Sports. Go ahead, write that down. You're a pretty good artist. That's really good to be not. Is this pretty good not to be an artist? I can't do this. <laughs> it's a very emotional thing to walk in and see kids in a prison. You know, I look in there, I see a young girl, I see my daughter. So it's a very emotional thing for me to go in there every single week and kind of see kids going through that, you know? One man who truly appreciates Bennett's efforts is Doug Judge, assistant principal at Interagency Academy, an alternative school program that's partnered with the detention center. He's brought a lot of light to this place, you know, um, a lot of levity. Um, he's funny. He's really honest with the kids. You know, he'll get in the units and start playing dominoes. And Bennett doesn't just play dominoes. He wants his encouragement to thrive to have a domino effect within the King County walls. 20. Pam Jones, director of King County Juvenile Detention Facility, has held this position for almost 40 years. 
She has seen athletes come and go, but she says Michael goes above and beyond, exceeding expectations. Not only is he just here to visit the kids, but then he brings in other players. He'll spend hours down here visiting with the kids. And how are you going to get to that goal to playing football and finishing school? You got to write that down. I don't want you gotta, you gotta write it down. To further stress the importance of goal setting, Bennett did what defensive linemen do best. He put his hands in the dirt and got to work. But this time, it was to launch a gardening program for the residents in the facility. What kind of vegetables and fruits are in the garden now? We got green beans, we got sunflower seeds, which is my favorite, cucumbers, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff in there. So it's really cool, lettuce, all that kind of stuff kind of wanted to give kids a chance to see how things grow. Watching them look at these vegetables that they put in the ground and watch them grow and seeing that they're responsible for something, it really changes their perspective on life and it gives them the opportunity to see what they can do. You know your distractions and you know how to beat your distractions. You sign a contract to yourself. What kind of void do you think that you're filling just by being able to be there and spend some time with them? I think, I think it's one of those things where you spend time with kids they see you, and a lot of times as a Seahawk or as just as an NFL player, you're so far removed from the inner cities and the cities that you live in, and you're their hero, but they can never touch you. And then when you get in front of them, you become this living hero that finally gets to listen to who they are, what they've been through, their journey, and you say one thing, it could change the whole trajectory of somebody's life. Still to come, we have more of Michelle Beisner-Buck's conversation with Seattle Seahawks defensive end Michael Bennett about his anthem protests and what he's doing away from the football field to help in the community. But first, thank you to all of you who are listening to the SC Featured Podcast. And a quick reminder for those of you on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and send us your feedback on our stories. For the ESPN app listeners, add us to your favorites and we can send alerts right to your phone whenever a new podcast is added. When people sit down in the flag, there's so many different issues that we're talking about. People are talking about police brutality. We're talking about Flint, Michigan. We're talking about women equality. We're talking about every single social injustice that a human being is dealing with at this point. And I think a lot of times people are missing the message because they interpret it as that you're disrespecting the flag. But we're doing the most American thing that you can possibly do. You're listening to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. We now continue with Michelle Beisner-Buck's interview with Seattle defensive end Michael Bennett. Bennett, a polarizing player in the NFL, opens up about his work off the field and why he feels it's important. First of all, let's rattle this off because I did a lot of research. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many charity appearances you've done this year? No, I don't know. Probably a lot. I do a lot. So my wife is like, you do a lot. So I try to give back as much as I can. Give me some highlights of some things that you do remember that you've done just this season alone. This season alone, I, um, working in a juvenile detention center with kids in, um, in jail and 
working with them, mentoring them, not to make the same decisions, and just going there and showing them that people care about them and giving them the opportunity to tell their story. Because a lot of times, you know, there's some people, kids who have done some bad things, but there's some kids who are looking to be rehabilitated and have an opportunity to um, pursue their life when they're done. And giving them a chance to meet with so many different players like Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, KJ, Cliff, and have all those different things come out is a super cool experience. And, you know, my in-school programs I got going and my health and garden building program. So we spend most of our time working in the communities from all around Seattle and Hawaii and in Houston. And I think a lot of times people look at athletes and just see them as just a player. And I want people to see us as human beings, too, that we have a heart and that we have the ability to help change our communities regardless of our race or our gender or whatever we go through. Um, it's just this ability to be a human being and give people an opportunity and give people a voice who don't have one and just share our message on a great basis. What is your main focus for the Bennett Foundation? My main focus is working on, like, food justice. So, like, people that don't have opportunities to have the right food and people who are living on a budget. A lot of times people are living on this extreme budget that really people don't understand in America. Some people are living on $20 a day for a whole family or sometimes it's 10 And so we have to do all these different programs to teach people how to shop and how to cook healthy within their budget. So those are things that we focus on within the schools. And a lot of times we work on the sugar, how much sugar kids can intake and all these different things and fast food and just working in different schools and after school programs. I think family is the most important thing and I think once the parents start doing it then the kids will do it and so focusing on that with the diabetes and the epidemic of obesity with our kids in America is a big problem for us right now. There are so many different areas and arenas of charity work and charitable foundations that you could have gravitated towards and I find that working with obesity and fighting that is something that's rare. What made you want to work in this area? I think I, maybe five years ago I was working in Hawaii and um, and I ended up going to like a, a, a state meeting and there was a lot of different brands and a lot of different companies there. And there was this urge and this need for us to start talking about rehabilitating our kids as far as with food and teaching them how to eat. And everybody was just talking like there was going to be this long process and I was just like I was one of those kids that you guys are talking about and for me that kind of frustrated me and I went home and talked to my wife I was just like look we need to do something that you know all these kids in Hawaii and these kids across the United States they're, they're dealing with these issues under underserved communities and I wanted to create my program after that and so from that point on I've just done an extensive research and just done a lot of projects within different communities around the country. What inspired you to launch this gardening program, specifically at King County Juvenile was, well, Center? With, with that kind of wanted to give kids a chance to see how things grow. Watching them look at these vegetables that they put in the ground and watch them grow and seeing that they're responsible for something, it really changes their perspective on life and it gives them the opportunity to see what they can do. They can do so many different skills and just to see that for them is just like, Nobody really cared about me, but I have this thing that I'm responsible for, and it's giving back to me. I taste the carrots. I taste all these vegetables that I did. And it's like they see this, this urge and this self-esteem about themselves to give them a position in the world that they can do something. And they give them the opportunity to go out and go back and express themselves. Not only is the garden this, this physical thing, it's also this mental seed that they're planting, that there's this possibility that they can go out and create this seed and give back to other people and constantly plant these seeds that, that grows emotionally and spiritually with them that gives them an opportunity to go out into their communities and change other people that they know who are walking down the same path as them. It gives them the opportunity to do that. And so it's this physical thing, but it's also a spiritual change for them, for them to watch these plants grow. And that was something that 
you developed just from having conversations and yeah. doing work and your own personal experiences? Yeah, so like a lot of times you go to these meetings and you just want to find a way to help. And being able to have this platform, you're able to raise money, you're able to donate money, and you, then you're able to create. And it's like you want to be able to have these projects and to be able to have this influence on so many different levels, whether it's global, whether it's you know state, whether it's city, whether it's just national. And to be able to help kids change globally and you know domestically is super important. And I think that's what I try to do every time I go into a program or go into a place and I have a meeting with different companies or different you know different things. You did something else earlier this season, or you made an announcement earlier yeah. this season about some other things that you're doing. Tell me yeah. about those things. Oh, no, so working with STEM programs in, in Africa and domestically, just with women, because I feel like as a man, you need to be able to support women through their, their fight for equality, their fight for justice, and all the things that are women are going through. And sometimes as a man, we don't support women the way that we should. And I think as an athlete, and I'm standing there as a man, I need to be able to support my daughters and to be able to support my wife, but also support women all across this country with different programs. And I focus on STEM programs and mothers who, you know, don't have the means to afford for their kids. So I focus on stuff like that. And I think that's super important as a man to be able to show that vulnerability that women are just as important as man, not only that we need to talk about it, but we also need to show action to be able to do that. Amen, brother. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> and then you also made an announcement that you were going to donate a yeah. lot of your money for. I'm going to yeah. let you tell me. Yeah, so like jersey sales and endorsements, just doing more garden projects and giving kids the opportunity because I've learned so much through food. Food is this thing where you cannot know somebody and all of a sudden they introduce you to their culture through this food. I, I might meet somebody from India and I may not understand the culture and all of a sudden they bring out this naan, they bring out this curry, they bring out this chicken and I get introduced on a way of how to eat it and how it's grown and it just changes me culturally and it changes me spiritually so I feel focus on food a lot through doing that and I think that is a really cool experience for kids to have that moment and just families too because a lot of times we see our difference and we don't understand it and so I think food just gives us the opportunity to walk and listen and smell and eat and just be a part of somebody else's culture. Wouldn't it be great if we could all just sit down and have conversations and be empathetic towards yeah. everyone's story. Yeah, I think, and I think it's really, tr I think it's true that we. I think this year as a man, I've I've told my wife and I told my kids I wasn't going to assume anymore because I feel like when you assume, it puts you in this place where you are not really willing to understand because you don't want to put yourself and you assume that that person understands what you've been through instead of just talking to them and getting the opportunity to have that face-to-face. -face. And I've had that opportunity a lot, whether it's with vets, whether it's with police officers, whether it's just with people in general. And I think that is something that, as culturally, we need to start digging in deep into is not to assume that these issues that we are approaching in this generation are swept under the rug, but they're really here. And when people are speaking about something, it makes us more human when we listen to them. I still think that there is still such a struggle to try to understand what you're really standing up for when you sit down for the anthem. Yeah. For those that are just still struggling to understand, tell me what you're standing up for when, when you we, sit down. When people sit down in, in the flag, I think people, there's so many different issues that we're talking about. People are talking about police brutality. We're talking about Flint, Michigan. We're talking about Native reservation, the issues that they're dealing with. We're talking about women equality. We're talking about every single social injustice that a human being is dealing with at this point. 
And I think a lot of times people are missing the message because they interpret it as that you're disrespecting the flag. But we're doing the most American thing that you can possibly do is to care about other people and other Americans who are dealing with issues and not to see ourselves that we're not attached to that. But we are attached to all those issues because I have a daughter, so I'm automatically attached to women equality issues. You know, I have a mother, I have a sister, I have a wife. And as a black man, I'm attached to police brutality and all these other issues. And I'm just saying we're attached to all these things, whether it's, you know, it's near us or it's far away. We're still attached to it because at the core of all of it, we're just human beings and we want to be able to be able to have have a safe place. And I think for me, that's always been a place in my heart where I want to be able to constantly show that and be an example of that. So how can we change the direction that it's headed, right? Because right now it's not in a good place. It's not in a good place because it goes back to the assuming. People right. are assuming nobody's willing to have the conversation. The first time I had a conversation, I'm just driving down the street and there's people protesting in front of my job. And it's like, you got two choices. I can drive away and assume that they don't understand me and I could be like, forget them. They don't get it. Or the second choice, which is the right choice, is to stop. You know, you put yourself in some type of danger, but at the same time, you put yourself in a place where they see you as a vulnerable person. And that's the thing that I try to do now, and that's the kind of things when you talk to people is to put yourself in that vulnerable situation. And I think with this whole flag thing, people aren't putting themselves in a vulnerable situation. They're just staying on their morals. They're not understanding the other person's, you know, process of what they've been through and the struggle of what, what, it, what it is to be that person who's going through that struggle. And I think that's the hardest thing for somebody to really do is to take their self out of the equation and listen to the other person. I mean, it's just like any other relationship, whether it's a marriage, you're always evolving and you have to be able to listen sometime and not just talk. And I think that's the thing that we need to do with this flag situation is to address these issues. You know, just because we're playing a game, those issues don't go away. And we need to be able to resolve those issues in our generation. It's our responsibility as human beings to lead this world in a better situation for our, our kids. And that's what the real legacy of all this is. It's not how many touchdowns we score. It's not about dehumanizing another human being because of their race, their gender, or their religion. And I think that's where we're trying to get people to understand. So it's by you sitting or kneeling during the anthem, what message are you Sending. Give me a good reason as to why you want to continue doing that for the greater good of this platform of social injustice. I think it's the greater good because it's one of those things that now it's becoming, it used to be normal to just walk past somebody and see them going through something, whether it's with the police or with the native, it used to be just normal. That's just normal. That's not our problem. But now it's becoming where people are starting to mobilize and it's becoming everybody's problem. It's becoming everybody's issue. It's becoming a conversation and now people want to make change. So that's the important part of this whole thing is to get people out and go out into their communities and, and find a way to give back in some type of form or fashion. And it's unfortunate that you have to take this step so that people will keep talking about what you're trying to do, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if you weren't sitting or kneeling, then the conversation would probably fade out. It'd fade out. But this gives you a platform to be able to continue yeah. your work. Yeah, that's what it does. It gives everybody this, all these players. And it reminds us why we started playing sports. That's why I was talking about the beginning, the real reason why we were in these inner cities and football gave us this opportunity. They took us out of certain situations. It gave us a foundation. It gave us these opportunities. And now who are we now to get to the biggest platform, the biggest stage to forget about where we came from? 
I mean, everything's connected. Where we started and now where we're finishing is all connected to make sure that we continuously plant those seeds. It is all connected, and that's a great segue into planting seeds because I want to go back to the garden, and I want to talk about the, the King County Juvenile Detention Center specifically. Your last trip there, what was that like for you? Walk me through that day. It's a very emotional thing to walk in and see kids in a prison because you see kids and you see your kids. You know, I look in there, I see a young girl, I see my daughter. So it's a very emotional thing for me to go in there every single week and kind of see kids going through that, you know. But, you know, as a parent, they're going there and see kids go through certain situations. And, you know, some kids, you know, they've been through certain circumstances that we as people can never understand. And a lot of times they just never had any guidance. And to be in there every week and see kids change and tell them that their skills are important and they are important, it's, it's just a really life-changing week every week to give back like that and those kids they're changing as we talk to them you know they want to be different some of those kids want to be lawyers some of those kids want to be doctors they just made a choice and now they want to be able to move past that choice so that's why it's an emotional thing for me to see kids go through that but to see them come on on the other side is super important your last trip there was there one moment that really stood out to you was there one kid that you talked to yeah, that really I affected you you know some of the girls because like i said for me i have three daughters in the to be in there is an emotional thing to see young girls, you know, being there and, you know, talking about their story and what they want to be and how one wants to be OBGYN and, and the steps that she needs to take and help her get to her process and, you know, to tell her to look me up as soon as she get out and help her find a way to give her the opportunities and those internships. It's just one of those things that, you know, it touches me every time I go there. It's hard not to go there and not to be emotional when I leave. Did you have an opportunity when you were there to work with some of the kids in yeah. the gardening yeah, program? Worked, yeah, we worked with them in the garden program, watched them. Eat, they like? cook. It's really just one of those things where it's just really a spiritual thing where you see these kids, like, literally changing it. And for a split moment, they feel like they're normal kids, you know. And that's, that's something that we want to be able to constantly do for them. Do you have any idea what kind of impact you're making on these kids just by being there? You know, it's just about how much you give to them, and you never, you never ask for the impact, or you never want to know how the impact is, but you just want to be able to have the impact. So you never know how much impact you're having, but I feel like we're having a lot because the kids are seeing us. They see that we invested in them, and I think that is something that's super important to them too. You have two military parents? One. One, yeah. okay. What was that like growing up? It's cool to have a military parent. I respect the military in every single way. You know, you know It's just one of those things that these people, they do so much for the country. They do so much for us to have these liberties, and it's just an honor to be able to have a, a lot of family members in the military. So someone that just doesn't want to change their opinion, and they think, because they don't want to take the time to listen and to empathize and to be open, yeah. they think that you're sitting because you're disrespecting the flag or the military. We love, we love the military. My, my cause for the, my police is the POWs and MIA soldiers. It's, I got letters from people... You know, those kind of people are forgotten about. Those are people in the military that people forgot their stories. Got guy just write about his brother that he's been looking for for 50 years. He was in Vietnam and those type of stories. And he's been fighting and still finding his remains of his brother. It's those kind of stories that you don't hear about that as athletes that we do. You know, just the other day, you know, two guys just came back from Afghanistan, two Marine guys that was in, I was at dinner. They came up to me. They loved everything. They respected me. And they just got back. I was like, come to the game. Four tickets to the game, sit in the front row. You know, because it's like we respect the military in every single way. But I think sometimes people just get lost in, you know, in what they hear and what they believe, you know. This last year plus has been crazy. Yeah. From a general sense of social injustice. 
how has this last year, how has this journey been for you? Uh, I think it's one of those journeys where, as a person, you go through these journeys and you look for validation. And this year, just being lifted off my shoulders, just having this spiritual journey where all this stuff is lifted off of you because you know at the end of the day, the rest of these people matter more. And to be able to have that journey has just been, it's crazy. It's an emotional journey. It's a spiritual journey. It's a journey through with your family. It's a growing with your wife. It's growing with your kids. And to show them the value of other people. I spent so many different time in different places, whether it was Guam, whether it was in Haiti, whether it was in South Dakota. I was spending time with a lot of people and heard their stories. So it was definitely a spiritual journey to see all these different people and experience. And just to hear their stories has just been great for me. Do you find that because of everything that's happened in the last year when we talk about social injustice, are you more frustrated or are you more encouraged about the next year to come? I think it's, it's, just, it's a little bit of both. I think you get frustrated because you, people don't understand. But at the same time, you're encouraged because there's a lot of people who didn't understand that are understanding now and people are going out to do different things. So it's a little bit of both, I think, but mostly encouragement. I think you have to stay encouraged that there's a possibility that things could change. If you don't, you go into this deep place where it's just there's nothing, nothing can be the same or it's always going to be this way. And I think you never want to get to that point. How has what you've been through in the last year changed or shifted your platform and your foundation? I don't know. I think my platform, my foundation is something that I've always tried to use in that way. And I think what I've been through is just giving me more power to continue uh, speaking and continue uh, doing what I know is right. You know, Martin Luther King said, it's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And it's, that's the truth. And I feel like it's always the right time to do the right thing. So I, I just feel like that's the whole thing. Yeah. That concludes this episode of the SC Featured Podcast. Thank you to Michael Bennett and Michelle Beisner-Buck for joining us. To hear more stories like this, follow SC Featured on Apple Podcasts and the ESPN app. Until next time, I'm Jen Latta.